I'm Robert Geronimo, creator of Blood Realm by Alterna Comics, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Nice. Something happening here. <laughs> Can I sing to you? Uh, anytime. Are you kidding me? I'm melting over here. Oh, boy. No, don't melt. I have, I have a semi, semi under my laptop right now, <laughs> and I'm melting otherwise. Vinny uh, Beats wants a snowball. I said, the fuck do you need a snowball for? He's like, oh, I want to make start making my raps and stuff. And I heard that... Oh. that <laughs> he's like, I, I heard the, those Yetis are really good. He goes, you have one. Can I have yours? I said, get out of here. You can't have mine. Get it. Get now, your what's own. What's he doing? Are you, are, you, are you making him be isolated or are you letting him go out and get a, go dip his wick a little bit? Nobody's going anywhere. The only one that's not home is Nina. She's at her boyfriend's house. She was home the past... Uh, stretch but she's like dad i'm like i can't tell you what to do you're 21 you're 22 yeah that's fact actually so you want to go take i said just don't come back right yeah i don't want that shit in here leave right. it and i think that was the plan all along because she knew that if she i let her go that would not let her come back the one-way door right that's right <laughs> exit only like, so, like your sphinx yeah i said no this ain't happening i said i got enough to deal with with your mother two days a yeah, week yeah that's true it's yeah. a hot zone yep but it's all it's cool. It's all right. I'm indestructible anyway, so it's not gonna get me. Not happening. Awesome. Yes. Love to know what's going through Jason's mind right now. But that's okay. We'll leave that for another day. Hey everybody. It's eleven o'clock comics, episode six hundred and sixty one. Yes. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B and I am David A. Price. You are. Have I ever told you the story of Jonah and the whale? I must have, because <laughs> I'm Father Mapple. Oh god. <laughs> There is no that, lie. that was improvisation right there. That was great. There is leaning up against the wall behind my door. There is a framed piece of art that was in my in the upstairs bedroom at my grandparents' home, and it is a very. I'll take a photo of it, but it's a very blue painting of Jonah and the whale, and it has been in my life as long as I've been around. And when my grandmother moved down to Florida, I ended up with it and it's, it hasn't been put on the wall. It just keeps getting moved around in different locations. And when we moved here, it was able to come out of the crawl space and now it's against the wall and it's, it's eventually going to get hung. But I, I love this. And then for Jason to say that, and I'm looking right at it, it's just karma. You know, yeah. that that's that crawl space must have been the size of a subway tunnel. Because you have fit so many things in that crawl space. There's, I, there's nowhere else to put shit in that fucking house. So. I was just saying, but it seems like it was a stretch. It, it went on for days, yeah. Right, right. But crawl space for days. You are not, Father Mapple. You're Jason Wood, everybody back after a, a self-imposed exile. How many episodes was it? Two? It was two. Too many? It, yeah. It, it, let's be honest. It's been a long two weeks, like for the Earth. Sure. So it does feel like it's been a month since I've been on. But it was one regular episode and one bonus episode. Right, right. And we had fun with Tony. But I, I love Tony, and he, he, he did his job uh, magnificently, but we needed Jason. It is incredibly good to hear your voices. Nice. Yes. I'll say I, something uh, stupid. I got it planned already. <laughs> You'll be like, fuck <laughs> this. I'm gone for three. 
Oh, yeah. It is what it is. Man. But anyway, uh, this levity has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get your books again fast, get them delivered right to your door. Very important in these trying times. They will take your books, put them in a box, and bring them to your door, right? They got the of books. Course. Yes, they got the books at the price you want to pay, such as from IDW, we have Bermuda, number one of four. Written by John Lehman, with art by Nick Bradshaw. Cover price, eh, $4.99. All right. All right. You got somebody like Nick Bradshaw, you're going to try and suck an extra buck out of everybody. I get it. But the uh, price you're going to pay, because you're super smart and you know where to go, where the prices are low, $2.49. That's half off, my friends. Down the street at Dark Horse, Neil Gaiman, P. Craig Russell, Mike Mignola, Jerry Ordway, if this is not on your list, I don't know. I got nothing to tell you. Uh, we can only lean on you so hard. And if you're not gravitating towards powerhouses like this, I don't know. Maybe you need a little course correction. It's uh, Norse mythology, number one. It seems to be an ongoing. Better for us, right? But uh, cover price is three ninety nine. Your price, $1.99. Half price. And last, but certainly not least, from Anthony Cleveland and art by Antonio Fuso, it is Stargazer, number one of six from Mad Cave Studios. Aliens, abductions, spooky Mulder X-Files shenanigans, three ninety nine cover price. You can have it. Now, it's an independent publisher, so you're not going to get... 39. Yeah, no, you're not going to get 50% off this. You're going to get 45% off this. It's really good. Two nineteen. Exactly. Nice. Mr. Magic Numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order yeah, mm. order editions. And you get your books, as I said, the best way possible. Curbside delivery, my friends. DCBService.com. Go. Just like your food. I, yeah. This I, is uh, really neat that they're doing that because I'm loving the curbside delivery. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, I spoke to Christina today. I'm just going down the list of people, just checking in on them, you know, seeing how everybody's doing. God, you Anybody care. Anybody I can think of. You care and, so uh, much. It's unbelievable how much you care. It's part of being connected to the world, my friend. But anyway, uh, they are doing pretty well, all things considered. You know, they, they needless to say, they are far better off, uh, logistically speaking, than, than, like, say, every other comic book store, because they are a volume mail order business to begin with, so... Um, that's great for them, but also they're feeling well. They, uh, you know, they're taking all the precautions, but, but everybody's really stepped up and working odd hours to make sure everything's paced out and getting things done. So, um, Christina was, was pretty psyched about how well things are running right now. And I just thought since they're our sponsor and our friends, I would just give a golf clap to, I mean, not, I mean, certainly to the Merkler shore, but, but more to everybody that works for them that apparently is, uh, is putting in the extra work and the extra hours to make sure things run smoothly during this crazy time. Cause wow. you know, just, just like us doing the show. And I, I know in the grand, in the grand scheme of things, there are a, probably a trillion things more important right now than talking about or reading comics. But, uh, also, uh, as I've come to learn in the last few weeks, you really do need to set aside time to try and clear your mind and, and disconnect and just just uh, enjoy a little bit, and, and comics are great for that. So. Oh, well, I got some very, very good disconnect material tonight. Nice. Yes. 
And uh, Christina, I told him to call or write you. So, <laughs> yeah. What's up, my girl? So. All right. So shall we get into it and uh, give them what they came here for? That's the plan. All right. What do we, uh, Jason? You know what? You have a lot of catching up to do. So I want to hear some from you. Nice. Uh, well, I'm going to bring us back to a place that we have given a lot of high praise in the last year or so. And uh, that is our good friends at Nobrow. Damn it. Why, you, that's a Nobrow too? I have a Nobrow. So we have a Nobrow Oram if it's not oh, the nice. same thing. Okay, because I'm pretty sure I didn't see this on your list, so this isn't it. Uh, this was a book uh, I ordered some time ago when I ordered a bunch of Nobrow books. Uh, I should have. I don't even know know when this one came out. Let's see. This came out. Oh, it came out early last year, uh, 2019. Uh, and this is Americana and the Act of Getting Over It by Luke Healy. Uh, pretty simple premise. Luke Healy is a, an Irishman, born and raised, but during his childhood, they took a number of trips to the U.S. for different reasons to visit family and to see the sights. And he, at a very young age, fell in love with the country, became obsessed with it. And it was always his goal when he was old enough to find a way to make it here and stay here. And this is a graphic novel account of his journey to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. So I know a lot of us, the three of us, are on the East Coast. And so we're very familiar with people that uh, hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, but this is, I guess, a similar, but probably harder terrain version of that kind of, uh, deal out, out in the West coast starts down, uh, at the Mexican border, goes up through all the coastal States up until the Canadian border. And it's 2,660 miles. Uh, and this is Luke's journey. It took him 147 days and spoilers. He does make it. Um, I, I don't know if that really is a spoiler, but. I'm assuming that uh, it's probably implied given the fact that he talks about it being a journey of 2,660 miles. But um, I loved it, man. I loved it. So so first of all, uh, Luke – actually, this is an autobio comic if it wasn't clear. Um, it's a relatively tonal book from a it's, – it's essentially black and white with pink. Uh, and then some – a little bit of, of, of the occasional use of gray and blue. But uh, but a pretty pretty tonal book, um, very clean lines, very minimalist line work. Um, if you're familiar with autobiocomics, you can kind of probably picture what it is here. I mean this this is a book more about the art helping facilitate the story than than a book you buy for the art. Um, but I think it does a really great job. Most of the pages are six panel grids, but he does a cool thing. It's basically negative space for the grid, so he doesn't draw grids. He just has probably. Uh, maybe an eighth or three eighths of an inch white uh, space in between the panels to imply grid. Um, and uh, Vince, the, the, the reason I think you would enjoy it, even though I know you're not a huge fan of autobio comics, this reminded me so much of Kerouac. Mm. Um, nice. Just now to be clear, Kerouac lived a much more adventurous life in his books, right? I mean, I mean, Healy is not, tripping or doing all kinds of crazy <laughs> no i mean like he's he's not i'm saying like like he's not like the, like healy himself that the person during his journey is not doing a lot of experimentation uh with drugs or alcohol or promis you know promiscuity right. but where it reminds me is a lot more like on the on the dharma bumps tip or something where 
Um, the book is really a celebration of the tiny mundane moments of the journey, like everything from finding a place to take a dump to uh, to figuring out a way to better deal with the blisters that you get to figuring out the right way to pack your pack so that you can uh, carry it better on your shoulders to the joy of running into the same people that you met a week before on a different part of the trail, meaning you've caught up to them or uh, just all, all these little moments that made his six month long trek what it was. And uh, it, it, I really found myself, I read this all in one sitting. It's, it's um, 332 pages read it in one sitting and I did find myself completely immersed in his journey. Um, on the surface, it's, it's, if you're not into hiking and I'm not particularly a, much of a hiker, uh, you might think, ah, oh, this isn't for me, but I just was completely swept up in the intimacy of the journey and connecting with him on a very basic level. Uh, and it's worth noting that, that Healy was a chubby out of shape, uh, cartoonist when he started no prior hiking experience just thought it would be fun to do it because he was in love with America. And from what I understand, this is one of those things where only about 20% of people that set out to complete this trek do complete it. And many of them are hardcore, like crunchy earthers who have been doing this for a long time. And it's pretty fascinating that this guy was able to start this with such naive naivete and through just perseverance and learning on the go and the help of others more experienced than him that he befriends ends up uh, accomplishing it. And so um, highly, highly recommended, I guess, like everything that Nobel writes, but I found it to be an awesomely timed book too, because it's just a nice look at the beauty of humanity, the beauty of our country. Uh, and, and it definitely serves as a bit of a mental salve for me thinking about how awesome it's going to be when we all don't have to be hiding out in our homes to just kind of go out and enjoy each other's company again and enjoy the outdoors. So uh, a well-timed book, even though it came out a year ago and very much recommended. So uh, yeah, Americana. Wow. By Luke I'm looking at the art here. It looks like, mm, I love the dot pattern. Number one, mm-hmm. number two, it looks kind of like Tintin by way of Adrian Tomine. So in my notes here, I have that it reminded me of Tomine as I was reading it. So yeah. Yeah. I don't really. I'm not, I mean, I know what Tintin looks like conceptually, but I've never read it. Read any of it. So. A clean line like this, very mm-hmm. clean line. Yeah, I think but it looks de- great. Definitely Tomine, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. um, there are blocks of of prose in this thing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. There there are big blocks of prose, um, and I can tell you that I would be lying if I said I read all of the prose. Um, if it was like a paragraph in the midst of of a chapter. Um, I might have read it if it was a little bit more than that. I, I kind of skipped through it really quickly. And I guess I don't know what I missed, but I don't feel like I missed anything. Yeah. The, I'm the, looking the, at the some pages. Stories is, and there's like three know. quarters of a page of text mm-hmm. here, which is cool. But it's mm-hmm. it's broken up by a map of the, uh, you know, Washington, Oregon, California. And then there's a small panel on the bottom. That That doesn't, I mean, I love prose. And if you mix prose with comics, that's like putting a little bit of peanut butter in my chocolate, right? Right. So it it does not put me off, but I think that you know, uh, casual perusers should be aware that there's type in the, there's prose in this thing, which is I mean mm-hmm. it looks good to me. Real neat. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Well, I guess I should just piggyback off you, and we'll get the no brow 
Yeah, let's do it. Orama. Um, Give Dap a chance to write up his notes for the No Brow book he read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the book that I read, um, wow, I I really have to pull back a little bit because in my enthusiasm, I may oversell this, mm. but it is, mm, yes, I will take it easy. <laughs> it It is, without a doubt, one of the best things uh my eyes have ever laid on. And that may be saying a lot. Like, I'm 54. I've seen a lot of stuff in my time. But it is a masterful use of color. We're talking alchemical here. On a Corbin level, the manipulation of color in this book. And not only color, but but character design, drawing, uh, sequentials, story, everything about this book is, it's a revelation to me anyway. Uh, it is a collection of three previously published uh, hardcovers from Nobrow. Uh, and they they took the uh, the three and they smashed them all together in one book, a volume one called Gamma Yun Tales, volume one. An anthology of modern Russian folk tales by Alexander Utkin, and uh, they were previously published, like I said, as hardcovers. But um, I think they were called, if they kept the the titling of the original books, "King of Birds," "The Water Spirit," and "Tina of the Lake." But I, I could be wrong. But it's not really important because that's not what you're going to be looking for. You're going to be looking for a single volume. Yes, they were. Look at that. First published in separate hardback editions, King of Birds, 2018, Water Spirit, 2018, and Tina of the Lake, 2019. And this is the first paperback collection of this. It has uh, its debossed cover with spot varnish. It's glorious. I mean, if you like mythology, and I know Jason and David do, you're going to eat this up. There is a huge, huge cast of characters. I'm not going to get into the minutia of what goes on here because I think the the joy of this thing is in the telling. So I will be somewhat, somewhat brief. Uh, the titular character Gamma Yun is a Slavic human-faced bird, and she can predict the future. And she knows the past. And she comes to you and talks directly to you and tells you, all right, I got some stories I'd rather tell you. I want to tell you. And buckle in because they're going to they're gonna go places. And she does. And it starts with a war between the king of birds and the, the king lion. And the war started over stupidity. Just a, a little, a slight that began an entire war and the king of birds after he fights the the king lion is in a bad way right he's he he needs to recuperate he needs to mend and so he um, a merchant comes upon the uh the king of birds and he can understand what he's saying 
and how can he how can he possibly do that? How can a human being understand the language of the animals? Well, just so happens this merchant came upon a tree stump on fire, and in the tree stump was a snake. And the merchant said, "Well, I'm not just going to let this thing die." He picks up a um, an arrow from his quiver, and he reaches in and saves the snake, but the snake bites him. And because he was bitten, he could understand the language of the animals. So the merchant meets the, the king of birds, and he gets a bead on him with his bow and arrow. And the king of birds like, no, you don't want to do that. He, take me to your house, dude. Heal me up, and I'll pay you back. And the merchant's like, I don't know. This, this thing is gigantic and massive and somewhat, uh, it's, it's a big bird, right? And so he takes the bird back to, long story short, they go back and forth and, and there's, there's, there's trepidation on the part of the, the, um, the guy to, to just kill this bird and be on his way. But the merchant thinks twice about it, takes the bird back to his house and nurtures, nurses him back to health. But it takes years. It takes friggin' years to nurse this bird back to health. And in the meantime, the, um, see, the bird can take human form. And he takes the, uh, the merchant on a, on a journey to see his sisters. And they're in, they go to the copper realm and he, he says, all right, she's going to ask you what you want. Tell her you want, um, the, ch- the copper chest and the merchant's like, what? I, I don't want to He's like, tell her you want the copper chest. So they go into the, the copper realm and you got to see the, his sister. She's gorgeous. And all of his sisters are blue with orange and mustard tinge like i'm telling you the color in this book is freaking outstanding um visually who does does utkin remind me of there's a little bit of frank espinoza there's a bit of harvey kurtzman i see some will elder in there scott morse there's a lot of scott morse in utkin but it's just he, he he's very very expressive and fluid with his mark making it looks to me like it's uh charcoal areas too uh on top of the the line it's it's amazing but um so he the merchant tells the the sister you know i i, I want um the copper chest and she gets extremely pissed off at him like you're not getting the copper chest and they fight and the the um the king of birds has to intervene see he's testing his sisters in giving the merchant the copper chest the copper chest is the thing that the sister loves most and would she willingly give it over for the sake of her brother she doesn't right so then they go to the silver realm and the same thing happens the the king of birds says tell her you want the silver chest and he's like, all right, I don't know what you're doing here, but I'll do it. So he tells the sister he wants the, the, the silver chest, and she freaks out. Rah! Again, King of Birds is testing his sister. So he goes to the golden realm, and his sister's there. And the merchant says, naturally, I want the golden chest. And she's like, okay, I'll give you the golden chest. 
And so the king of birds knows that this is the sister that really, really loves him enough to give her most prized possession to this human being. So the king of birds says, all right, you got the silver chest. This is an awesome thing. Take it back home, but do not open it. Do not open it until you are home. You have to be home on your land before you can open it. Merchant's like, yeah, I got this. This is good. I'm, I'm cool. I got this. So the merchant's going home, and he's been away a year, right? And that's when the water spirit comes in. The weather gets extremely bad. Giant, massive pieces of hail are pummeling the merchant. Bam, 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 bam. And he's out in the wilds, and he's got no protection. So what does he do? He's like, okay, I got this thing, this, this little chest, and I know I'm not supposed to open it, but I'm in a bad way here. I'm going to take the key and I'm going to open it. So he opens it and the golden chest turns into a palace. And he goes into the palace and the palace is uh, presided over by an invisible spirit named Theodore. He's a shaggy little dude. He's so cool. And he can't, uh, the merchant can't see him, but he's there and he provides for him. And so the water spirit comes. And this guy's a massive, massive creature. And he's like, the fuck you doing? You put a palace on my land. What is this shit? And the merchant's like, oh, I, I had no choice. I was getting pummeled and blah, blah, blah. And so the, the water spirit says, all right, I'll let you go. I won't kill you. But you have to agree to give me the thing. When you return home, you have to give me the thing that you don't know about. And the merchant's like, well, I don't know. Fine, I'll give you the thing that I don't know about. So the the water spirit leaves him alone. He's like, <laughs> merchant goes home. He he puts the key back in the 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 golden chest, and it turns back into a little chest. So he goes home, and when he gets to the door, now he's begun a year. He gets to the door. What do you think his wife greets him with? Come on. What does his wife greet him with? Uh, a baby. It's got to be. Oh, oh, oh I wasn't, see, yeah, I wasn't, it was not yeah, on my mind. That was yeah. not, no. <laughs> she was pregnant when he left, and she had a baby boy. And now the merchant has to give the baby boy to the water spirit. And it's, it's cut and go. I mean, would you give your child to a gigantic fish creature? I don't know. I don't think I would, but merchant's bound he has to so he gives the uh the 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 water spirit touches the boy and on the neck and he gives him little tiny gills so he can mm. breathe he can breathe underwater and um he says okay i won't take your kid now but in nine years i'm coming back and i'm taking your kid you promised me you can have him for nine years i'm coming back and he's mine you got to fulfill your end of the deal. Merchant's like, I don't know what else to do. Like, okay, I'll do it. So in the meantime, the kid runs into the water spirit's daughters. And they're disguised as waterfowl. And they take off their feathers and let them dry on a, on a rock. And they turn human when they do that. So the, the girls are playing in the, in the water. And the boy takes... Tina's feathers, her cloak. And she latches on to him. And then the story proceeds apace. They become very, very attached. 
and they try and get it over on daddy and that's all i'm going to tell you because there's a lot a whole lot more to this book it's friggin' magnificent i i don't know any other way to say it it's it's magical the 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 drawing and the mark making and the color work here is just it's impeccable like this is a freaking revelation i don't see how stop i won't say it but this could this is the shadow of gamma yun tales is going to hang over me until that time next year when we do that show <laughs> that's all i'm going to say listen I, uh i am looking at the artwork now and it is jaw dropping mm-hmm. i'm seeing two pages here and i don't know the context of the story but there's a boy fighting a giant lobster that looks just like a mutated version of sebastian from uh yes little mermaid yeah the and, the uh, the water spirit makes him uh get into a contest with the the lobster and if he can beat the lobster he can stick around got it beautiful yeah. though beautiful yeah it's amazing uh, but this book, on all levels, it is just—it's—it's it's a virtuoso performance by Alexander Utkin. I can't tell you any other. Um, I don't have the adjectives necessary to convey just how beautiful this artwork is. But I do have images from it. So if you come to our website, eleven go to the thread. You know the episode six sixty one thread. Click on it, and a gallery pops up, and you'll be able to see for yourself just how beautiful this artwork is. This this was uh, one of your previous picks, wasn't it? It was, yes. Yeah, yeah, because I, I I did have to I I think I did have to cut it, but yeah, I, I remember you talking about it, and yeah, no, it it's it's it it it's gorgeous. And I love this book so much, so much that I'm going to give a copy away to one of our loyal listeners. Damn. Yep. I don't know how I'm going to do it, Jason. Do you have any ideas? But I have a copy. I have a copy of this to give away. Oh, geez. Um, I don't know. We can, but let's think on it. Maybe next week we'll play a little game or something or a contest. All right. One of you lucky listeners will be getting a copy of the Gamma Tales Volume One once we decide how to do it. Awesome. So yeah, I, I have that much faith in this book. This is legendary, and it's going to be just. Whew, it's going to sweep. I'm telling you. So that's, Our boy Tony Esmond is grinning ear to ear right now. Seriously. I can't look at work of this level and not just be blown away by it. No, that's beautiful. Yeah. It is, yeah. I'm feeling it's, some kind of way about it. this is pretty much the only no brow book of the last four years that I don't own already, so shame on me. Well, it you know, I wish someone would have gave you a heads up beforehand. <laughs> no, I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> the My thing dude. was is I thought the book you were talking about was the first volume of this that was out a few years ago. I didn't realize that it was a that this is a new packaging collecting all three volumes. Right, right. So it didn't seem like a priority. I thought it was maybe just a reprint you had noticed in the catalog. But uh, my bad. Right. Well, um, from what Tony said, the the three volumes did well, but they thought that they took a look at the work and, and they acknowledged that this is masterful stuff. This needs a huge... It, it It deserves a huge audience. So they put it in one volume thinking that it would find a, a, a bigger audience, an all-in-one volume would find bigger uh, audience than three single volumes, which is smart, right? You can't fault them for that. And I think it's going to pan out because uh, there's another volume on the way. Yep. It's going to be... Awesome. It, it's a great... You know, I'm looking at it from 
a theory standpoint, uh, as, as far as color goes, I can see that Utkin knows the color wheel inside and out, and he exploits the relationships between colors like you cannot believe. Like, okay, I'm going to put blue next to orange. Duh. Who, who doesn't do that? But he puts blues that aren't straight out of the tube blues next to not straight out of the tube oranges like he's moving around the color wheel he mixes Mm -hmm. mixes the the orange with a little bit more yellow in some of the the um panels and the blue has a little it, it leans towards the green side so it's like harmony it's powerful it sings it's just beautiful beautiful work and I'm completely envious of this guy. It's Corbin level color manipulation. That's saying a lot, right? So check it out. Gamma Yun Tales, Volume 1. Uh, adapted, written, and illustrated by Alexander Utkin. Published by Nobrow. It's cheap. It's um, two, It's like 180 some odd pages for... Um, Nineteen ninety-five, cheaper if you know where to go. And it's it's just, it's a revelation. Get it. It's all I got for that. That's great. I need more wine. Nice. <laughs> I like. Good. What else do we have? This would be your turn, Dap. It's his first time giving birth. I know, right? Yeah, no, it's just just a little rough. No, I it, listen. It's been, I have since we last spoke, which was Sunday. Um, Monday at work was a fucking whirlwind, and then I've been working from home since Tuesday, and I'm getting more work done, and I'm more exhausted working from home than I have ever been working at the office and and every time i want to sit down and read something it's like my eyes just don't want to don't want to focus so i've 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 forced myself the past two days to to read things just so i could have something to at least bring for for in your travels but um i did i did manage to i'm glad i did because i started it when when I lay down and and goddamn if I didn't finish the entire 100 pages before I went to sleep and that was um, yesterday's uh, Robin 80th anniversary and is I it actually Robin's 80th anniversary or is this one of these Fugazi things? It's I well since Batman's was last year or or early last year late the year before uh, and and Robin took a minute. To show up this year is probably his 80th it might not be this month mm-hmm. but this year might be because i think over the next couple months we have joker and catwoman and it's like and, and they're coming in hot and heavy and i'm like let's pump the brakes a bit but uh this was um this was an anthology and whereas you know when we've read the the superman the the action comics or the detective comics uh they were they all focused on one particular character this uh, that that same character this anthology is the characters who all of them who ever donned the robin outfit so it's not just a, a dick grayson anthology 
it's mostly uh, Dick Grayson in his different in, in all of his incarnations except for Batman. Uh, he takes up like half the book, and then um, everybody else gets a uh, a story or um, or two. But the the creative teams caught my eye. Uh, it, it it starts off with a a story by um, Marv Wolfman and uh, art by Tom Grummet and Scott Hanna with uh, Adriana Lucas on colors. And that's, um, that's a story about Dick Grayson right where he is about to stop being Robin right before um, he becomes Nightwing. The next story takes place during uh, the Cataclysm event, and that's written by Chuck Dixon with uh, art by Scott McDaniel and Rob Hunter. Um, and those few pages just deal with Nightwing swinging into Gotham from Bloodhaven, uh, to help a, um, an EMT, uh, bridges about to collapse, but, uh, some gangbangers are trying to, um, pillage the paramedics truck by, by, by taking all the drugs they can. And so Robin has to, Nightwing has to stop them as well as make sure that people on the bridge are safe. Um, then there's a Nightwing and Teen Titans story by Devin Grayson. Uh, Dan Jurgens does your layouts. Norm Ratman does your finishes. High fives on your colors, and that's it. Was a it was a funky story. It was mostly about uh, thwarting Damian Dark, uh, and it's it's the older Titans. So it's Tempest. It's it's Wally as Flash. It's um, Arsenal and Troya, and and you know basically. Damien Dark's henchmen failed to do what they had to do, and and then basically the story is him giving play by play of of how they failed and um, how he he gave them the list of who they were supposed to take off the board in order. And one of the henchmen's like, "Oh, I just thought it was in alphabetical order." He's like, "What the fuck would it be alphabetical?" He's like, "Well, you seem like a detail oriented dude." And I figured that's the way. He's like, "So, so they 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 they, they flummoxed that up because one one of the weapons was designed only to be used against Tempest, the other one against uh, Troya, and because they screwed up the order, uh the weapons that were designed for particular heroes didn't work against the ones that they ended up using. I mean, it was just it was a mess. So, um Basically, Dark, though, was also trying to do a sleight of hand, so while his henchmen were taking care of the Titans, he was able to go and steal what he wanted to steal, and then um, Nightwing comes in and, and saves the day again. Then uh, you Before have... you move on, mm-hmm. we don't give Ordway enough credit. We really don't. I wear oh, Jurgens. Oh, this I meant Jurgens. I, you know me. Um, Jurgens is well. And 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 in Vince's defense, they they were pretty much hand in hand during right. the Triangle era. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with no, you. but I'm looking at this. I'm looking at. Shut up, you. I'm. I'm. <laughs> what was your name again? I'm looking at this artwork, and it's like, man. If, if there's, these are just layouts. But I'm just saying, if there's one guy that does that sweet spot the way we love it it's it's jerkins right he's he's i mean i remember i when i think of dan jerkins yes of course the triangle era but 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 to this day and whether he'd find it insulting like, like shaking with nostalgia i i don't i just 
I think of Booster Gold and I think of Inks by Mike DiCarlo and I just and, and I, I, I like younger um not I don't want to say fresher, but but just younger, tighter Jurgens. I mean he's he's still the bones are still there, whether he was doing uh zero hour or the post Wahaha Justice League with Bloodwind. I mean you you, you knew you know what Jurgens book when you see it. And right. But even though this is Ratman on finishes. Jurgens is driving. Still, Jurgens yeah, is driving oh yeah. the bus here. Oh, absolutely! Right, Whether and it's, it's, it's someone's posing into action or someone so who's standing there. Yeah, it's, yeah, you definitely see Jurgens. So capable. Uh, these, this is what I like to see in mainstream comics. If if Jurgens drew all of the mainstream comics, I would buy them all. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then and then Nightwing's cheesing as he's as he's leaving the room at the end. But that's, I mean, that was I because Jurgens Jurgens wrote that titan series right that that perez drew like but i mean the later like one of the last titans books before new 52 but yeah I, I, i'm pretty sure jurgens wrote that but so so jurgens has a connection to of course nightwing and and the titans um then the uh then you get an agent 37 story written by tim seeley and tom king with uh mikhail janin on art jeremy cox on colors and that's that was a story of Dick grayson um kind of being a mentor to another agent and uh, paraphrasing the lessons that Batman taught Robin uh, to this apprentice. And, and um, there was definitely some time in this story I, I felt. And it, it was, it, it was, it fits in with the whole Grayson persona from, from that series. So that, that worked. Um, then that was that was it for the the Dick Grayson portion more or less. After that, we get we get one Jason Todd story by Judd Winnick and uh, Dustin Gwynn. And, wow, Judd mm, Winnick! Yeah. Here's a name for the past, huh? right? Yeah. Um, this mm. one isn't. It's listen. It as far as Jason Todd stories go, it's probably one of my favorites because there's very little talking, and it's mostly Jason Todd as a very young robin and if anything this is the jason todd pre pre-crisis for me because this is this is the one who whose parents were killed by killer croc this wasn't the one who who um tried to rip off the hubcaps and and was crowbarred to death this the, this was the one that i liked and, and not the one i voted to kill so they had the um Ooh. they 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 had the uh <laughs> it, it was a story about um because it also showed how smart Jason Todd is, and he was trying to rebuild uh, one of Bruce Wayne's watches that Bruce's father had given him, and he um, it wasn't working. And it's it's the kind that you know it, it's the more you wear it is it it's it self winding, and so it's um, but but Jason didn't have all the parts, and some of them were a bitch to put back together. So you know he still it isn't finished. So you know this is your gift, but but if I can have it back so I can finish it and I'll give it to you when it's done. Um, but that story was basically now the Red Hood left the um, the gift for Batman uh, on on the hood of the Batmobile, and and so so there was, there was very little interaction between the two of them. It was it was it was Judd basically having Jason be a kid and and Batman kind of just standing there. Um, Alfred kind of had to let bruce know what what um how to kind of react to it but that um and and it was a very kind of loose 
Dustin style. I liked it. I, I liked his 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 young Jason Todd. Uh, there was a Tim Drake story as Robin uh, by Adam Beechin and art by Freddie Williams the second MVP and Jeremy Caldwell on colors. This was a pretty cool story because it was just. Uh, it was Tim meeting his guidance counselor, and his guidance counselor is telling him, you know, listen, so I hear you want to get into law enforcement. However, um, you've got nothing when it comes to extracurriculars. You know, there's you're 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 not on any of the teams. You're not um, you're not on the debate team. You're not doing anything that's going to make yourself stand out. Like, yeah, your grades are stellar, but they they want a little bit more than that. And all Tim is thinking about, like, whenever he mentions, you know, well, maybe if you decided to do this, then, then he's thinking about, you know, running out and and taking on dudes with with batman and and then you have him leading the the titan so everything's going on in the back of his mind where yeah he's already been there done that got the t-shirt but it's not like he can really put that on an application so um that's i i I dug that story quite a bit uh then you see tim drake as red robin and that's by uh, james tinian and javier fernandez and david baron on colors this one wasn't um wasn't wasn't a bad story. I didn't. I haven't. I really read a lot of um, of Red Robin stories, but this one uh, was mostly about Tim meeting up the other meeting up with the other Robins because he was trying to find his place in um, in the world and in, in the family. And he because uh, you know there's Dick who was the first Robin, and and he's you know. He he's now Nightwing. He's he, he's done it all, and he's the one we all want to aspire to be. Um, he's the only one who could fill in for Batman. But uh, I Tim wanted to get his perspective on things. Then he goes and he meets uh, he meets up with Jason, and Jason's like, you know, the fuck him. Who cares what anybody else thinks? You're gonna be your own man. Uh, you know, we're not, we weren't his equals. We were his protégés. Don't worry. About, and Jason's just basically laying out on the line, no filter, put it all on the table. Um, after they leave, after he finishes his conversation with, um, with Jason, he meets up with Damien. Damien now, of course, is just like, he's over here. He's, he's, he's doing, he's insulting Tim more than anything else. And I think of, I think of all the other Robins of all of Bruce's adopted sons, I think, and again, I've read very little Damien. Um, I think of all of them, Damien's likely the most jealous of Tim. And you know, Tim's the one who figured out Batman's identity and, and who his partners were. And um, he, He's, he, he never he didn't really go out seeking revenge and he didn't need to be saved by Batman to be protected and and um, he really did come into it his own and and whereas you know Bruce adopted adopted Dick and 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 took care of him after his parents' death and and brought Dick's killers to to justice and even in the story at the beginning of the book Dick's like listen you know we're not the same because you you weren't able to get closure until you were an adult. You, you found your parents killer when you were an adult and, and you got your, you were able to get your revenge and, 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 you know, you've, you've lived your whole life wanting that. Whereas 
Batman found the Grayson's killer like that same day. And, and so after that, Bruce was able to, uh, he wasn't exactly a caring dude, but, but Dick didn't live with wanting revenge day in, day out. He, he, he didn't grow up cold and he, um, he, he wants to serve and protect more or less, but he, he's, they're not the same. And, and so Damien probably isn't threatened by Dick. I think the way he is by Tim, uh, he's definitely not from Jason. I mean, if anything, Jason and he may be closer as far as, um, their moral compass and, and how they go about things. But, but I think of all, all of Bruce's sons, um, the animosity that Damien has towards Tim, I, I think, is is, yeah. is jealousy. But if I can't have Dick, I, I'm gonna if I'm gonna go for Tim. Yeah, that oh, that would be yeah. That would be my my. I'm I'm good with Tim. Then I would probably go for. Um, wow, how do you pick over Jason and Damien? <laughs> I would probably go with Damien. I think All Damien's people, cooler no, because Damien for sure. Yeah, because he has I I love the the lineage with Damien where Jason was just a a dick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, at least Tim had or not Tim. Damien has the the pedigree to back up his his boasting. Yeah, he can right. Yeah, he can he can talk the talk and walk the walk. Jason Jason had the unfortunate he 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 was he was a follow-up. He was an also right. He was, he was the, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't Dick Grayson. And so he was just really, he was in that dude's shadow and there was no, he wasn't going to come off from that. There was nothing they could really do with the character. I mean, I thought he was basically a carbon copy of, of Robin. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-crisis. And then they just, you know, they ruined him post-crisis and, and, you know, I mean, you, you have to realize there's something wrong with the character if you're going to put up a 900 number to vote whether or not the exactly. fans want to see him exactly. or yeah. die. So I mean, they 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 knew that it it just it was a mess. So, yeah. but um, you got to admit though, nothing goes down better than Dick. <laughs> I'm doing it right. I could keep doing this. So, <laughs> yeah, so so and and the Fernandez art on this story I thought was pretty cool too. But uh, this basically leads into um, Tinian's detective run where uh it was the whole gotham knights protocol so you see you see tim um basically letting him know that you know we need a team and it's going to be orphan and spoiler and, and batwoman and you and clay so the um the next story surprise not not really surprising actually there is one surprise and, and and it bums me out a bit but uh the next story is with stephanie brown uh the single stephanie brown story robin robin four uh by amy wolf Wolfram, uh, Damian Scott, and Brad Anderson. Scott's another name that I hadn't heard in, in a while. Uh, and this was a story about Stephanie, like her first time going out as Robin, Robin, as 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 Batman. And and there's a scene <laughs> oh, where she's kind of first time. Yeah, <laughs> first time. Not, not, I mean, no. I was like, oh, I'm about to order this on Comicsology. <laughs> so, but there, actually, there is one one panel where uh, because I guess. I, for whatever reason, they just gave her one of um, one, one of Tim's old suits, and so she's uh, she's trying to do gymnastics and get all acrobatic around him, and and she um, she's a little chesty, so so the front of the yeah, a little bit 
front of the tunic uh rips a bit and and, and she's getting a wedgie she's trying to pull a wedgie out of her ass and mm-hmm. uh yeah and and scott's scott's work is is a little on the um it's J- jason pearson <laughs> slightly slightly bit. But, but but more cartoony and exaggerated in spots but yeah there's there's definitely i can see i can definitely see the pearson um the comparison if you want to say that but the uh it's it it's it works for this story, I guess. Yeah. But it, it's it's uh and and so they 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 go out and take on Firefly, and she's supposed to, you know, the 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 common theme through most of these short stories is Batman really wants Robin to fucking listen to him, and and there's a <laughs> lot of stories here where Robin's like, "I'm gonna do my own thing, man," or "I'm not gonna stay in the car," and 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 sometimes it works out, and sometimes Batman's like, "This wouldn't have happened if you," and then, but basically every Robin is like. If if you want me to work with you, you 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 gotta give me room to grow. I gotta spread my wings, man. And and if I stumble and fall, then then that's on me. Be there for me, but don't you know? Don't just so so. Yeah, if you can't beat Firefly, though, come on. I know, I know. <laughs> but like, but like, Firefly is like you know, oh, cosplay girl's gonna try to save me, and and it was just, um, which is kind of a recurring theme because of the the book I read last night. But so after the Stephanie Brown story, we get a, um, we get the super sons. Thank God. With, uh, with Peter Tomasi and Jorge Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this was the oh, best story of the book, yeah. but, but it's a, um, it's, it's a great, it, 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 yes, of course it looks great, but it's, it's a story pre pre Bendis, uh, where, where John is, is, younger he's going home to um to write a, a story a, a story called my best friend for um for class and he um of course mom is there to remind him how many pulitzers uh she's won and he's he's telling a story about you know my best friend i met damien a few months ago my dad says that's a lifetime when you're my age and i know he's right but for some reason and and so there the the jorge just really gets to go Walls out. They, they, he's having a blast showing them take on taking on like giant robotic gorillas and and uh, there's I guess a time when when there was some red kryptonite and and John turned into like a rather reverted to 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 almost like a toddler but super large like he's 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 just he's a giant compared to Damien and and um there's just he's he's just really happy that this kid's um that damien's his best friend and and the final panel is just them jumping out a window to go hang out and it's 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 a really cool story it's just it, it's just john it's it's from john's point of view obviously and he's just talking about his friend and and it's not really so much a a damien story of of like some of the others were where here's a story about robin from robin's perspective and, and what he's going through this is just this is looking at it from the other side but but from a kid who um loves his friend and and just really enjoys spending time with him and then the last story is um thank you for skipping over the carrie kelly illustration <laughs> see that it's bad it, it's bad it, but what and and that's <laughs> that part of what kind of kind of bums me out a bit um that there is no there is no carry story in this. Right. I'm just looking at the illustration 
<sighs> Frank just he just phoned it in. And and I know Alex Sinclair is well regarded in the industry. He should not be allowed to touch Frank's lines. It's it, it it's almost like this was this may have been a a, a back paper for for one of the collections. Uh, I just I would know. hope not. I don't, <laughs> well, I mean, I just I mean, I, only because I really don't want this to be something new. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, I'd much rather for beat. It's not good. But yeah, it's not good. But. Uh, the the final story, and and there were other sketches in here as well. There was there was another Stephanie by by Damien, and there was um, Andy Kubert stepped Rob, up. Yes, and that's a great looking Robin's image, the, the double page spread. There's a a, a reprint of um, the cover from from All Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. But the last story is another Damien story. Damien Wayne, Robin, son of Batman, uh, by Robbie Thompson. And Ramon Villalobos and uh, Tamara Bonbelain, and it's this is a story I, I kind of maybe could have done without not, oh, because all the stories are self-contained, whereas this ties into current events in the Titans book, and um, for anyone who who doesn't know, and I only know because of the crossovers they had with Deathstroke um, the Titans specifically Robin when they captured a villain um, they basically they did like the Flash on on, on TV they, they imprisoned the villain and basically mind wiped them so that they could become a productive member of society and um and and Robin's been walking around with that secret. And this this last story is from um, is from Damien's perspective. And and also and and it, it's Batman kind of trailing Damien at night, and and Damien thinking he he got Batman off his scent because for some reason Damien thinks that Batman's dumb enough to trail a holographic projection instead of his son. I I don't know what. Damien was thinking, but he doesn't fall for it, ends up catching up with him. Um, so they kind of go on this this uh, this mission together. Damien's got a chip on his shoulder more than anything else, not really listening to Dad, doing his own thing. They're they're working together, not so much working together. It's it's, it's kind of a mess, but uh, Batman kind of saves the day. And, you know, Batman... We're getting inner monologue from both of them, and and Batman's like, I should say something. I, I I need to let him know things, and Robin at the same time also wants to tell him, so maybe he can confide in Dad. And and realizing, you know, he's he's doing something that he shouldn't be doing, um, but maybe I can talk to Dad about it. Uh, but nothing gets resolved, and and at the end of um, the end of it. They, uh, it's this story continues in Teen Titans Annual Number Two, where Robin and Batman collide, and that's so it, it, it kind of it, it left on, it ended on a bit of a whimper for me because I didn't I didn't want to have to worry about leading into something else, and and I was enjoying it because everything else was just a nice eight ten page self contained story, and it was it was it was it was a solid anthology for the most part and um i have a question on 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 the ramon art either but that's that's my hang up before you move on you said that 
Who's doing the mind wiping? Is it the Titans? Yes. Specifically Robin. Because it's his it's it's his gig. The other um Kid Flash wasn't aware of it. Um I don't think Crush cared either way, but but there were members on the team that were absolutely appalled and and well yeah believe that you know <laughs> they would stoop to this but but then but but here's robin like you know oh but look look at this 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 guy you know like like gizmo's planting seeds and shit and working at the community gardens and and it's like it's like dude i it's because he's tired of of dad bringing everybody to arkham asylum and it's oh it's a revolving door and he's gonna come out next week and that and that damien's convinced his way works and and this is the way things you know this is why we should do it and i'm guessing he thinks figures i'll here's my this is my thesis this is this is my experiment i i have everything laid out i'll present this to dad show him that this works and and i don't know if he thought maybe dad would be giddy about it. i don't know what 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 damien thinks really yeah, but. well we could assume bruce is not going to be down with it <laughs> definitely not no <sighs> Oh yeah, because Bruce has never uh, mind wiped anybody. No, that was a Tana. Bruce just Bruce just has contingency plans against every member of the league. He's yes, come out. But you know what? Again, I, I I think we need. Well, I need to genuflect at the altar of Freddie Williams. I love Freddie's work. You do. I really you do. do. Really do. And, I'm, and, and this was a pretty neat story, even though it wasn't a whole lot of uh, wasn't a lot of action and and costuming because it was mostly tim sitting in and in, in this guidance counselor's office so there was a lot of a lot of close-ups but it was i i like i like the art in that story yeah freddie's great i'm reading um batman teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 because the third volume is coming so i thought well yeah. i might as well get around to two because i didn't read it yet and freddie's just freddie doesn't get enough love he just doesn't he is a monster he's so damn good why is Freddy not on? Well, I mean, they have him pegged in this little niche with the the uh, Batman Turtles or the He-Man stuff. The and he, stuff, he, yeah, he's yeah, very yeah. good at it. He really is. But I think uh, an artist of his caliber should be doing a much, much more high-profile book. Because Freddy's a wizard. He's so good. Yeah, i take a bullet for Freddy. Yeah, you would. I you really would. would. We can double date. You and Freddie, me and Mark. <laughs> All right. Uh, but no, yeah, I um, I was I was really happy with it. And the Lee Weeks cover is all stark red because it blends with with um, Robin's tunic. It's it was it it was. I was happy to have found the time to sit down and read it. And I figured I'll just I'll just read the first couple stories because you know I'll just I'll 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 get through to the Grace and stuff because I that that's that's well it's my favorite Nightwing. But I mean you know so I'll I'll read that. But then I just. I couldn't stop turning the page and I, I I was really, really happy with it. And even, even creators that have either fallen out of favor with me for me and, or I haven't heard from in a while and don't know if they still have it. Um, for them, everybody brought it. I was, I was really happy with the, with how it turned out. Yeah. Frank didn't bring it, but well, it it was, it was a plenum. And you know, this establishes a precedent, right? you can expect that last story in the Catwoman and the Joker one to lead into something else. I think odds are very good the Joker one will definitely lead into something else, but we got to 
Seventy-five percent chance of the Catwoman one. Well, probably yeah. Pro- the Joker one will probably lead into something with with, with punchline. I, I mean, the the, oh, the, sure. action com- the action comics one. Well, that was but that was Action Comics one thousand. So of course it's going to lead into one thousand one. I'm just right. yeah. This was actually they didn't. They were just no. It was Detective one thousand, Action one thousand. Detective led into something else too. Yeah, but it's. I'm trying to think. Was. Did Batman and Superman have an 80th a year or two ago? I think they did. Oh, I just remember the Batman or the detective in the action. I don't remember Batman Superman. But well, I no, it was it was Detective Comics 80 years of Batman. Yeah, there was the, there was the deluxe edition cuz yeah, I'm looking at them on the shelf. So there was there was something, but I'm yeah. Okay. But Again, we don't like to see it, but it's something that DC, I think, needs to do. Because if there are eyes on this 80th anniversary special that normally wouldn't buy these books, it just makes good business sense to maybe try to hook them at the end into something else. It's, you can't fault them for that. You really can't. It's, and it's only one story. It's not. I could see if it was every one or at yes, least yes, 50%. Like yeah. Fifty like if it was a, a free comic book day equivalent, then I'd be like, "You guys misstepped, you know, or missed." Yeah, but if just one goes into something else, that's fine. You don't have to read it. You will, right? And it's and it's because <laughs> it's it's well, it's there, and it's and since it is Damien and the Titans, which it's a character I'm not following, and it's a book I'm not reading, I can just I can choose to ignore it. Yeah, I would expect that from Damien, though. Mind-wiping criminals? Yeah, that seems 100%. very 100%. much in line with what Damien would do. Yeah. Dad's going to be like, pissed. Are you, sure, are you sure Frank Castle's not your dad? Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. Talia is just... Um, <laughs> she's the MJ of the DC universe? Uh, no. No, she's not that skanky. Thank you. Yeah. She does have some self-respect. Sure. Jason... My buddy, come on, bring it. Well, uh, yeah, I want you to talk about something that's on your list, but before you do, um, I'm going to just briefly mention this because I hinted at it uh, two weeks back when we all were last together, and the context was we were all discussing lovingly the new Conan book. Mm, Yes. And you were... Uh, especially resplendent in your praise for Mr. Alari. Ooh. And we were remarking how he's been around for a minute and we didn't know a lot of his work because most of it was in Europe. And listeners may recall that during our discussion, I realized that he did a Moby Dick adaptation and I placed the order for that book while we were on the air and it arrived this week. And I was about to say I read it, and as much as you can read a book that's in a language you don't speak, uh, it is in German. I knew that going in. It wasn't. It's a German. This uh, Alari and his partner Von Jouvre, uh adapted this uh, in French in 2014, but I think it's out of print or it was serialized. I'm not sure how it was printed, but it, it wasn't available anywhere I found. But a German publisher called Splitter. Uh, splitter-verlog.de put out a beautiful hardcover of it this year last month so I was able to procure that and I figured it would not be a big deal because uh, even though I don't speak German I have read Moby Dick uh, in in many different forms including the novel itself many many times so I figured what the hell and um, so 
I consume this very quickly, I will say that it is a very spot-on adaptation to the source material, so I truly didn't need to see the words because I knew every panel and where it was in the book. Um, and I thought that uh, if you if you if you also joined us in enjoying that first Conan issue and were a fan of Mister uh, Alari's art, then this would be uh, exactly that. It's 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 that exact same style, only adapting one of my favorite novels, uh, and it's fantastic. I, um, you know, look, Moby Dick has uh, ebbs and flows to it as a story, and this is divided up into three chapters. Um, and the third chapter would be when they actually encounter the great white whale. And that is a sight to behold. There are a few panels from the book, particularly page one Oh one. A few gentlemen are listening that I would love to own. Uh, <laughs> but no, I thought it was fantastic. And uh, another very welcome uh, graphic adaptation of Mr. Melville's triumphant work. I can't recommend it beyond that because it's in German. So I know a lot of you that's a no brainer, uh, a non-starter, but that's not a non-starter for you. It's worth seeking out. Wow, it's really beautiful. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Goes without saying, though. Come on. Yep. Yeah, he's a master. Yeah. And it took something like Queen of the Black Coast out of the yeah. blue out of, you know, just to shove him under our noses, which is really good. I love things like that. Surprises are good. Yep. Yeah, it's a great cover, too. Mm-hmm. Dibbucks is the publisher. The original publisher? Yeah, Dibbuk's. So like I said, this is published by Splitter Verlog. Hmm. So, But um, the book I was hoping you were going to speak on, and we can join in because all three of us read it, uh, is Plunge number two. Yeah. Well, there's... Oh. Uh, no, I mean, I, I thought it was very good. It was very good. But it's an interstitial issue. There's really yeah. not a whole yeah. lot that happened mm -hmm. other than Moira's uh, questioning her sanity. Did I really see what happened? Did that dead guy really talk to me? Well, wait a minute. He, he's dead. He couldn't have talked to me. So maybe it was, you know, my adrenaline just making me see things that weren't there. And I don't know. And then they do a, a survey of the, uh, the ship and the, there's a giant worm involved. Uh, but other than that, it's just pushing the story mm -hmm. to the next level. Beautifully illustrated, again, by um, our man. But other, other than that, I mean, I didn't expect much because I figured that it is, what, a six-part story? Yes. Yeah. So every issue cannot have a, a monumental occurrence in it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, what did you yeah, think? You need time to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah, thought no, it was. I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, visually, I think it's wonderful, but it's basically talking heads, right? Other than the uh, the scene with the the ship and the giant uh, Lovecraftian bioluminescent worm, it, it's more more than not. It's just talking heads, beautifully illustrated, but talking heads nonetheless. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I, issues like this are kind of like my least favorite thing in comics. But you need them because when, when you when you read the story, the story is the entire, 
however many issues this is. It's not a one-issue story. It's not a three-issue story. It's right. it's a six-issue story. So you need the little bit of a downturn or a calm moments. I mean, some stuff does happen. She's investigating a a, a mutated crab, and she's like, oh, I got to get a better look at that. I'm going to go into this freezing cold water, and she ends up finding uh Totem uh, a, a totem or yeah like a monolith that that has worms interacting with screaming faces and so the, i mean the, the pot is still simmering it's you know but we don't get too many answers in this issue well, when i say this is my least favorite thing what i mean is i do think this is just this strange byproduct of the writing for the trade and i guess i would have understood it more six seven years ago but really like writing for the trade now seems kind of silly i mean like it's the worst selling type of type of the story right i mean like trades don't sell anymore like people either buy the issues or they or they read the stuff online so i, right. I just um like i feel like for so long trades were such a lifeline to the industry that everybody began um writing that way and it just became standard fare and issues like this remind us that that doesn't have to be the case like if it's a six issue story like you know it, it, then make it a graphic novel and i know why they can't and i get it and right I, cash I flow. need to explain yeah. yeah they need the cash flow but like then i i still think if you're if you're gonna sell me on six issues then give me six six compelling issues in my opinion and, right well and, i mean i maybe i don't I don't mean to say that this was a bad issue by any means, but we were all so excited about the first issue and, and on every level. And, and I still have very high hopes that by the time it's wrapped up, I'm going to think it's an amazing story. But I just feel like we see this in comics. We see it in, in these streaming shows where it's an eight, it's an eight episode show and you, there's one or two in the middle where you think, Oh, we didn't need that. Or, or it's right. a, it's a, it's a right. 12 issue, 12 episode show. And you say, Oh God, we didn't need those three. Episodes. And, and it's just, it's just filler. And it, I'm sure the creators don't think of it as filler, but it reads or, or or watches, depending on the medium, as filler. Right. Um, and that that could be more of a me thing than a them thing. So I'm not I'm not saying that they're doing it wrong per se, but I just I felt like oh, okay, let me skim through this real quick. Not skim through, but let me read through it real quick, and then okay, so we're taking a little pause, and then they're gonna hook me back in in issue three. Okay. Yeah. So. So you're saying this is Picard with an eye patch, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But there are significant events in this issue. The uh, okay. yeah, the 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 dead uh, crewman does revive and starts to uh, make an axe to things. Yeah, make things uncomfortable for the crew, and the ship goes bada boom. Um, it does propel the story along, but yes, it's a shadow of that first issue. Yeah, yeah, uh, but again. Uh, do you, can you have a story writ large without the down? I mean, look at the stand. Oh, right. there, there's a lot of, there's hundreds of pages in the stand that, you know, come on, let's do something here. Let's, let's move the story along, Stephen. <laughs> but it he needed. You probably could have said any, any Stephen King book. Uh, to him. All right. It, it. All right. Yeah. It. Okay. <laughs> The clown. <laughs> yeah. 
But still, uh, when when you're a, a good a, 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 an illustrator is imminent, I don't care how long it takes you to get to the finish line. <laughs> you mm-hmm. just you just keep drawing them beautiful pictures. No, I, no doubt. No I got to say, though, I, I hate to disparage the work of others. And this is line-wide, these Hill House books. The covers are terrible. Mm-hmm. Why? Why are, yeah, these, why are these covers so vanilla? I, I don't understand it. I, I can see Stuart putting all his energy into the interiors and like, I'm not doing the cover, but... The uh, to a to a title, the Daphne mm-hmm. Byrne covers, the Dollhouse covers. They're just they're mediocre. I mean, they they would not compel me to pick them up off off a rack if I if I didn't already if I wasn't in tune with the who the creative teams were on the inside. The covers would do nothing to get me to pick these books up. And they're not horrible. I'm just saying they're 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 mediocre. They're vanilla. They're just nah, they're just there. Right, you're not going to get a hardcover book of the best covers of the Hill House era. (laughs) It's not happening. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard, but I just, I just don't see. I am. I am a very big dick. Mm. (sighs) What else do we have? There's a book that came out in 2018 that I know Dap read at least the first issue of. Because I'm pretty sure we talked about it back then. Oh, we did. What? We did. You talking about Little Bird? No. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> Little Bird didn't come out in 2018, pal. It's cool though. Um, I'm the dick. I'm, I'm the dick though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, and 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 this, this book was turned on to us by uh, by some some listeners at the time, and I remember we loved it. And then I don't think Dapper I ever talked about the last two issues of it. And I've had the trade sitting on a stack for a minute, and I just did one of those like, oh, let me pick something random from my stack. That I know what I, you're talking about. I'm talking about MCMLXXV. Yep. AKA the Roman numerals for 1975 by Image Comics. It is a three issue limited series. Uh, written by Joe Casey, with uh, really awesome art by Ian McEwen. I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, and again, some of you may have some vague memories of this because I'm—I know Dap and I talked about the first issue. Did you read it as well, Vince? Did you read it too? Yeah, Vince. Yeah, you did. Okay, yeah. I could remember if you had read it. Um, but I, if I am I am I misremembering that we didn't talk about the second and third issues? No, we, we did, just we we went hard I, on the first. Yeah, yeah, and because it was double sized. But I um I this is one of those and it and it sucks. And I I'm I'm glad you're going to talk about it. But this is one of those things where I always have I I know I have these these books scattered around. I'm going to read. I'm going to read and right. and so they're there. I just I still and and you're right. It's been out forever. Why haven't I just finished it yet? So so maybe this will move me to finally. But yeah, I yeah. I mean, we, it's it's one of those books, and I know we all. I mean, we did go deep on the first issue, so some of this may sound redundant. But it's it's after rereading or not sure, after reading finishing it uh, in the trade form this time. I I just thought like man, like this book is this overlaps all three of our concentric circles. Visually, McEwen I think definitely has some. Some Corbin, some Stoko, like it's definitely messy and organic, and that's and, fair. Uh, 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that's definitely I mean, visually, it definitely crosses into all of our interests. Uh, the book by the title, it's set in the seventies. It, the, the first issue people may recall we're, we're we start off with a, um, uh, almost like an outsider's homage where there's a, um, uh, a radio disc jockey who's narrating in the, about what's going on in the, the, the New York city streets during the night. And then it juxtaposes back and forth to, our protagonist, Pamela Evans, who is a uh, New York City cab driver, and he's narrating, and she's going to pick up a passenger and ends up having to fight a bunch of of baddies. And, and basically, the story in three issues is is a, a, a mashup. Really, it's 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 a it's a 1970s black exploitation film as a as a setting. Uh, in terms of the landscape uh, and the narrative and the the cinematography of it, um, but but it's also a hero epic where Pamela is a uh, strong, um, heavy set black woman who drives a cab who has a magic tire iron, kind of like uh, like Mjolnir would be right, and and it's imbued with magic powers and or Kevin Matchstick. Yeah, or Kevin, I was going to make that analogy and said, this is why I have to think Dap needs to finish at some point because there's a lot of, of the Dappy uh, uh, mage goodness that uh, I know would be right up his alley. And we we just get interstitials of her as a child, and she was basically born in a magic realm where she was kind of like a Ilya Rasputin, kind of destined to be a hero in a demon world and vanquish the demons. And um, she, she was foisted down to the earth to take up that role. And that's kind of what she's just been doing. And, uh, and this is just one story of her life. We, we learn about her background and she, it, it builds to a crescendo where she takes on a massive battle. And in order to, to take on this demon horde, she rallies all of the New York city, um, pockets of, of, of gangs. So that's why I say it reminded me of the outsiders. I mean, she, she goes and basically, uh, recruits all of the different the different gangs and they all have different outfits and different aesthetics and different mo's and she gets them all to form a, a, a an army of sorts and 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 they have this big grand battle in the in the final issue. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's a relatively straightforward story in terms of it's it's I don't think there's a lot of nuance or layers beyond what you see on the page. Uh, it's eighty pages in and out. It's tells the complete story as you're, I don't think I get no sense or I've never heard that, that Joe and, and uh, McEwen are planning on coming back to this world. So I just, I think it's a nice little nugget that likely got lost in the ether of hundreds of comics a month. And I know we did our best not to, at least to bring people's attention to it back then, but I, uh, I had a bit of a regrets that we didn't finish, finish and get people to buy the trade. But, but definitely I think the trade came out maybe, Maybe six, twelve months ago. It, it must probably came about a year ago, but but uh, still readily available, and, and it's an eighty pager, so it's pretty cheap. You know, Image never overcharges you with the trades anyway, uh, and it's dope. Um, I'm kind of a mixed bag on Joe Casey. There's been stuff that we've all read and talked about that I absolutely think is off the charts, like all time great. There's stuff that he's written that I thought was okay, and there's stuff I've just totally disliked. So he is. Um, I never quite know what I'm going to get from him. But this is definitely one of the stronger things I think he's done in the last five or six years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not Butcher Baker level, right? Like, that's... Right. That's not Godland. No, that, 
well, no, okay, I, that's older than five or six years yeah. now, but 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 uh, but really quality stuff, really really quality stuff. Cool. Yeah, I have the trade. I just gotta dig it out. It's yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was just sitting there, and I was like, oh man, I'm like, wow, we not, I don't think I ever finished this story. Let me give it a whirl, and I'm glad it did. Sweet. I have something that, um, well, uh, it's entirely subjective what you're going to get from this book. Uh, If you're a creative type, you may extract some very valuable uh, guidance from it. Um, If you're just a human being, I think it's a a nice uh, primer on how to perceive or, or how you may perceive external uh, reality it's from drawn and quarterly and it's written and illustrated by disa wallender or wallen assemble or wallender let's we'll say that disa wallender it's called becoming horses hmm. yeah trade paperback uh 2295 full color it has some beautiful uh glitter appliques on the cover and back cover it's pretty cool but uh in a nutshell what is this book about (laughs) uh again depending on how you approach it it could be about many things but i as a creative person took it as our creative people our propensity our tendency to search for and inevitably find reflections echoes of ourselves in art right it's all about recognition and uh, the collision of thought and experience and i'm just going to read you a couple of uh pages the the, um the characters are all nameless and they're traversing this landscape of experience and and they interact with each other and um the I guess you could say the main character is this little girl with very very thin hair, and she's she's like a sponge. She's just looking for not guidance, but but uh, a lighthouse. Let's just say, and um, she comes upon this girl. And this girl's drawing, right? She's looking down, and the girl's kneeling on the ground. She's drawing on this big piece of paper, and she's into it, and she says. I'm having a great time. And she says, I've preserved my childlike sense of wonder. I've preserved it. And she looks up from the drawing and she looks at the little girl and she says, very hard. That, this one page to me, you you know how I like to approach communicating visually. I like to try and forget or jettison all that formal training that I've ever received across the breadth of my experience. Just get rid of it because it doesn't do you any good. And this girl says, you know, I've preserved my childlike sense of wonder. Yes, I have. I really have. It's very hard. And she's lying. She's, she's looking up from her drawing and she's lying to this little girl. I've preserved it. It's, it is very hard to preserve that sense of childlike wonder. And you can, come close but there's no way you can completely preserve it it's it doesn't work that way yeah it does not work that way um but she claims to have done so and then there's the little girl walking around again she comes across this 
this woman, a young lady, and she's dressed in this very voluminous outfit and there's all things stuck to it leaves and other things and and she says you are what you wear and she says i'm wearing a bit of everything and that man that just hit me hard because as again as a creative person experience is everything and it filters down whether you know it or not or you perceive it or not it filters into your work everything you've ever experienced in your lifetime will find its way into your work and this is a bit of metaphor in that her her clothes are a bit of everything. She's wearing this thing that is contains bits of everything in it. And it's just it it's it's very poignant and it's it speaks volumes very succinctly, right? And if you saw I mean I don't know if you've ever researched this book or or Ms. Ms. Wallender's style, it's it's very um spare. It's, she has beautiful line work, but there's not a whole lot of it. She'll juxtapose her drawings with uh, photography in the backgrounds or just, just um, you know, watercolor splays or uh, manipulated images from Photoshop, like of a, a little bit of netting on some pages or there's other pages where she's done a painting and she wants to have her characters just traipse across this painting she's done. It, it's a very unique looking book. Um, it's a wonderful book, but it, it's mostly about, from my perspective, it's mostly about the journey creative people take in this world and, and how we um, interact with other people and how we use that interaction and you're asking like what does the thing what does the title becoming horses mean um well everything in this book becomes a horse Uh, there's some characters will walk around on all fours and um the one character says uh she's she's walking on all fours and she says um do you ever feel like you have an excess of self like there's too much of you yet not enough you're both too real and not real at all and the one character says sometimes i feel really confused by what's happening and this other girl says sometimes i can't tell which one of you is me sometimes i just say stuff out loud like and she's sometimes i dream about myself and in my dream i'm somebody else but also i'm me the way i like to be and I mean, this book is fodder for any type of wide ranging thought. Like if you just want to go through life and, and interact with people and be all surface and yes, sir, thank you very much for coming. Have a good day. That's fine. But if, if you want to get to the root of why maybe why we exist and what happens when something else interacts with us as a self or what we perceive to be self i think this book is very valuable in that um it there's no answers but there's a a lot of questions which could lead you to answers right i think it's wonderful it's a wonderful amazing book and um it's very artfully produced like i said the drawing is great um very minimalistic in some spots in in others not so much um 
it it could get very very busy but as um as an instigator into deep thought i think um and not the jack handy type but i i think it's it's a pretty valuable book and so uh again becoming horses by disa wallender it's wonderful um but it's only going to be as wonderful as you want it to be right you need to invest yourself in this book it's not going to page one do this page two think this page three act like this no whatever you're willing to invest into this book the returns are going to depend on how much of yourself you want to sink into this so uh check it out i thought it was great i'm looking at it yeah i see what you mean it's 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 definitely i mean the pages i'm looking at are just like little stick figure girl with i don't know if they are they like imprints of leaves or are they like ink blots? i'm not quite even sure what the background images are there purple and blue well i mean it doesn't really matter right yeah uh but no from a production standpoint it's probably just paintings and and digital manipulations Mm -hmm. that the author Mm -hmm. has done thought oh you know i can use this as a background like there's uh there's a, a black woman and the, the little girl with the thin hair walks up to her and she's in a enclosure, uh, a shell like enclosure that has a, a very, not a deep shadow, but it has some shadow to it. And the, the woman is leaning up against the side of the enclosure and she says, hi there. And the little girl says, hello. And she says, I built a replica of my womb. Do you want to come in? And the little girl says, okay, it, you know, it's kind of warm in here. And the little girl then finishes by saying, I'm going. Do you want to come? And the woman says, no, thanks. I'm never going to leave. So, Mm. you know, your interpretation may not be my interpretation of that. But it just says um, to me that there's a very strong bond between um, where we came from and who we are. Right? Right that this woman never wants to leave this replica of her womb. Mm. Uh, I can only guess. But again, there's no Cliff's Notes for this, right? Your your mileage may vary, and it definitely will. But I think it's a very valuable book, and it should be be explored and investigated. It's, It's wonderful. Drawn and quarterly. They never let me down. D and Q is always on point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I gravitate towards works like this. I I got a lot of Ram Das out of this, this be here now type mm-hmm. type thing, where uh, it's just a what is perception? Where are we? I mean, in terms of the universe, where the hell are we? Are we the focal point? Are we this Lovecraftian thing that's shunned and shunted to the side and we're insignificant and we think we're more than we are like what exactly is all of this i think this kind of thought is very valuable in times like these right yes yeah that is for sure yeah so this could not have hit me in a better uh, a better time that i had the the um luxury let's just say of Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of time with which to explore this book. If if this came through on a normal week, when there's a stack of things needing to to be read, and I may not have devoted a lot of time to it, but I did, and I and I, I right. had I had the luxury, so it made a mark on me, which I thought was very fortuitous. But 
on the flip side, having a whole lot of time made me look at some books that I have been getting in a different light. Right. Yeah. Like, you know I love Antarctic. And I went through three issues of Exciting Tales. Mm. It's, it's just bad. Like, I just get them because I love to support Antarctic, but the, the comics are just, they're just not good. <laughs> it's not. They're really not good. I mean, when, when you're going through the book and, and, and you have time to just take a breather and sit back and invest yourself in the book, it's, there's a whole lot of other books out there that are better. But I keep getting them because I'm devoted to the, the company. I'm not saying Gold Digger. That's totally different. But the other things they publish, eh, there's some good and there's some not so good. Right? But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm getting distracted. Becoming Horses is great. And, and you should uh, look into it because I think you will be, you will be rewarded for doing so. Nice. Dap, did, um, I see you read this. Did, did you, or did, did you enjoy Spider Woman number one? Uh, I really enjoyed the art in the second story. Mm hmm. Um, I. The Palo Sakara, you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, because, uh, Palo knows how to fill out a suit. The, mm -hmm. it's, I'm going to see where Carl is going with the character, where where, where she's taking the story, because of course they end it with with this cliffhanger. Which, if if you read the end of the first story, there's probably going to all tie it up in a nice bow. I'm I read the back page where Carla's talks about what Jessica Drew means to her, and and um how she wants to take this moment and, and, and do something with the character. And, and so I'm all for that. I, I, um, I'm willing to, to give it a shot. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect because, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we read the, the Dennis stuff and we've, we've seen Jessica up and down Carol's best friend. And, and we've, we've known that Jessica's been through a lot these past few years. So um, I didn't, I, I I liked it. I didn't um, I didn't finish it thinking, well, that was you know I could have done something else, or uh, I don't know when I'll get around to reading the next issue. I I didn't I I did not know, and I'm saying all this because I did not know what to expect going in. I I thought I, when I saw a Spider Woman on the on the table on Monday when when they were putting the books together, I I thought it was a facsimile. I thought it was a reprint. For, for something else going on. I had no, I, I must, oh, okay. I missed the solicit where, where there was a new spider woman book coming mm -hmm. out. So, um, when I saw that, uh, that it came out, that there was a new number one yesterday on the shelves. I was like, all right, I'll, cause I figured you were probably going to read it. So I figured I could definitely, um, chime in if need be, or if I had any questions, I, I knew who to go to, but yeah, no, I, um, I, I was enjoying the story. I, I was getting a kick out of seeing her mop the floor with the kidnappers. Um, and I, I, I even dug the way this, the issue was laid out with here's the, this is what's happening now. And then, Oh, by the way, a couple weeks ago, 
that all led up to to this moment. And I I, I didn't mind that. I, I didn't mind that it wasn't such a straightforward story. But the um the, the I'm, I'm hoping we won't be let down by whoever the reveal is going to be for whoever's pulling these strings. But no, I um I I. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I expected to. I guess I'll say. Really? Okay. Okay. Um, do you know if is Carla Pacheco related to Carlos? I don't want to. I, I didn't want to assume. I it's I I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't either. I, I tried to do a little Google sleuthing and I couldn't find any confirmation one way or the other. Um, I mean, but we should say it is written by Carla Pacheco, not Carlos. Uh, and drawn in part by uh, pencils by Perry Perez in the first story and uh palo Sakara on the second uh i largely agree with you i love the characters you know um really enjoyed the last run of the book quite a bit and so i definitely was excited to try this but i thought this was closer to just another comic book issue than anything that got me really stoked for for the run um i like the character so i'm not going to abandon it after one issue but i, I thought it was a little by the numbers like i oh, just understand it yeah yeah you know like especially the perry Perez's art thought it was okay not a fan of the new costume design i'm not yeah like yeah. i i don't the the cover is is her og costume so i don't know why we don't like go back to that if they don't like the one that, that javier rodriguez used i don't know but um yeah it, it was it was just fine you know like it was it if i was still in the mode of getting 50 Marvel superhero books a, a month and reading them, this would just be a middle of the stack book that I'd be happy to read and figure it would pick back up the next month and probably would forget most of it within a week, that kind of thing. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm pretty sure it's the first thing I've ever read by Carla. So um, I don't know if she's relatively new to, I assume she is cause I don't, I hadn't recognized her name much. Um, so we'll see if she just has to get her wits about her and, and get comfortable in the role of lead writer for the character. But, uh, yeah, come see, come saw. According to comiXology for books that she's had a hand in, I don't know to what degree, uh, but comiXology has, uh, comics with this creator, um, mostly Marvel stuff, but, uh, acts of evil, um, secret empire, Gwenpool, uh, the, Marvel 2099 event. There was, um, I guess she did something with the Punisher, the recent Punisher that uh, uh, Greg Smallwood did the covers for. And it looks like some uh, Rick and Morty also. So she's, she doesn't have a huge yeah. resume yet. But, I didn't read any of that stuff, so. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I can't say like I was disappointed per se, because I don't know that I went in with any kind of huge expectations for it. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it just kind of was just a, Instead of just another guy, it was just another issue. Yeah. True that. I didn't read it. No. Stunned. No, no stunned. Shocked. Probably not going to. Shocked. I but that's you. all right. I think the uh, low anticipation uh, is could work in Marvel and DC's favor right now. What do you mean? Well, the fact that, you know, there's really not a whole lot of stunners in their catalog. There are some. Oh, I see. But for the most part, it just seems to be business as usual for a lot of the books. Um, 
maybe there's another Immortal Hulk waiting in the wings where we're just going to be blown away by a a very left-field take on a on an old chestnut, and it's going to yeah. be like, wow, this is great. You know, I, I hope. I, mean, I don't know. Like, I, I hear what you're saying, and I definitely think from a holistic look at each of their catalogs, I would agree with you. But I do think we have a tendency to maybe overstate that in the sense that um, I, th- I think there are books like Immortal Hulk, right, that are there and they are amazing. It's just that the I think we just have less tolerance for the for the fodder. Right. Like I think in another phase of our lives collectively, really probably not just the three of us, but almost all of our listeners, we just we just gobbled up the fodder. It was just all part of it, right? Like it was just all part of one big continuum and we read it all and collectively it was cool and we just moved on and we just have less time and energy and money for for middling stuff so we're quick to cast it aside but like but the stuff that's really good is still really good it's true yeah so i mean i have to tell you i um with all the x books i i i was pretty dismiss dismissive of new mutants after the first issue, and I don't know why. I must have just been in the wrong mindset the night I read it because there was something that occurred in the last issue of X-Men on the first page or two, and I thought, oh, okay, that. I wonder if that happened in New Mutants. So I paused that book, and I went back, and I thought, oh, I haven't read a lot of these issues. So, And I dove in, and I ended up reading all nine issues. I reread one, and then I read all nine, and I, I think it's it's – it's pretty good. And I say it's pretty good because um, it's, it's weird. It's, it's one book with one continuity, but it's really two books in one so far. Like it's, it's, it's actually the OG new mutants plus Mondo drawn by Rod Rice and written by Hickman. And that's awesome. And they go in space and they have a big space adventure with the Shi'ar and the, you know, and that's it's all goodness, and they reunite with Sam, and and then there's a new mutants, like a new X Men, the new X Men kids uh, go on an adventure to try and get Beak and Angel from the the uh, Morrison run to come to Krakoa, and they have their own adventure, and and never the twain shall meet. The, the two are completely distinct adventures, and that is written mainly by Ed Brisson with art by uh, Fiala and someone else who's escaping me but but alternating artists so it's it's it, it's it's kind of weird right because the book is you don't know with each issue whether you're getting a continuation of the og new mutants rod rice stuff or if you're getting the fiala new x-men stuff so i the new x-men stuff was like just okay but the rod rice uh hickman classic new mutant characters in space was dope as fuck. So right. it's a little odd the way it's presented. Yeah. I have to admit, I I'm not reading this stuff at all, but I, no, I know you're not reading any of the, but stuff. I do look at the covers okay. of, of all the X stuff. And I see what I would expect to see. I see Shi'ar. I see the brood. And it's like, no, I don't want to relive that stuff. I, I read it all mm-hmm. before as it was coming out. Is is a, a a relaunch of all the X books? Does it have to be beholden to the Brood and the Shi'ar and Apocalypse? Like all the 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 high points from the past 
30 years. Do we really need to, dr- to dredge all that stuff up again? Like, I thought it was going to be a, maybe this is on me, but I thought it was going to be a, 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 a re- revitalization of the X-Books. Mm-hmm. To me, revitalizing a line doesn't mean you go back and mine all the good stuff from the past 30 years. It means, right, right. It means you, you, you forge ahead, you, you blaze new trails, new characters, new, new events, new things. Yeah. It's, I, it's a totally fair criticism because you're absolutely right that the, the magic of House of X Powers of 10 was that Hickman took a lot of the mess that came for him, not just mess, but a lot of the classic bones of what came before and a lot of the mess and made somehow made sense of it all in a really interesting as yet never before seen story involving the characters. Right. Yeah. And, and, and was able to, I think masterfully tell us versus or show us rather than tell us, this is what matters from all the stuff you've read in the past. And this is what doesn't, but it all happens. So for some reason you really care about maggot or the reavers or the, M day, like it all happened too. So you can still have those stories, but like, we're not going to give a fuck about it, you know? And I think that in listening to Hickman, when he did his interview with David Harper, uh, the one interview he gave, not that I'm bitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> he said very clearly, like, look, you know, I, I, I only agreed to come back and, and show run this, if you will, because of what you were just alluding to Vince. Like, like I, I don't want us to rehash shit that we've done 20 times before. Like there's just no fun in that for anybody. And I think there's pockets of that, but I also think that the other people that are part of the team, meaning the writers, of course, because the artists are going to do, do what they do. And they're, most of them are killing it. Uh, I think they're falling into that trap. Cause you're right. Like Excalibur, we got, and I'm enjoying them. Like, I'm enjoying them because I like a lot of stuff. But, like, Excalibur is is Captain Britain and then Alan Davis, the, you know, the 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 magic universe and the tech net. Right. And it's like and and and, you know, and the Marauders is the Hellfire Club and Sebastian Shaw and Shinobi Shaw. And uh, he, so it's yeah, I'm with you. Like we're seeing. And now, like you said, even for those that haven't aren't up to date on X-Men, like there's a brood storyline happening now. And cool, but like you're right, Vince. I mean, we've read how many brood stories? Like every version of the X Men have done a brood story. Yeah. And so I'm with you. Like I, like I'm more intrigued by like when they're going up against the old lady botanists. Right. That's weird and new. Right. Like that we haven't seen that before. Give me more of that. Or 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 the or or X Men. I think I don't remember six or seven where where we see that like it's becoming the strange cult religion where now mutants go into battle, get killed in battle to sacrifice themselves so they can get reborn, you know, because they were depowered and they want to be powered. Like that stuff's cool. Like recharacterizing the whole mythos and the, the, the cult nature of what they're becoming and what that might mean. Like that stuff's awesome. And, and when Hickman has a firm hand in it, I think it's still really awesome and unique but he can't write 10 books, right? And right. Marvel's a machi- money machine. And they're requiring, I think after this month, we'll have 12, 13 mutant books again. Not to mention we're going to have this, em- they're all tying into Empire. And that is disheartening. That is disheartening. So I don't get, I'm not going to blame anybody for, for tapping out. But it's a bummer because the core stuff is still awesome. It really is. Cool. Like the Hickman, the main Hickman book is awesome. Nice. 
All right. I think it's time to uh, go home. Yes? You're the boss, dude. Oh, yeah, I'm the boss. Hey, everybody, if you enjoyed this, please take a look at our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, because you can get all the stuff that you want at the prices you want to pay. It's very simple. Massive discounts, such as uh, Bermuda from IDW, four-issue miniseries, the first issue of which you can have for 50% off, $2.49. Neil Gaiman and a bunch of powerhouses are doing the Norse mythology over at Dark Horse, $1.99 for the first issue, and from Mad Cave Studios. Stargazer number one of six, first issue, $2.19, Antonio Fuso on art. I don't see this book on either of your lists, so I'm going to say in the future, can we please talk about X-Ray Robot number one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I have it. I'm, I'm going to read it. I, I I have it off to the side. It's it's going to get read. All yeah, right. same. It's it's on my pile here, ready to read. Cool. Michael Allred, Laura I, Allred, I'm, Nate Picos. I'm, I'm, yeah, and I, I started to I, – I had the first page open. I looked the first page. I turned it, and I was like, I want to sit down and enjoy this. This wasn't one I wanted to just read for the sake of reading. Right. I, I want to mm-hmm. just – No, I get it, and you should. Yeah. You should. That's why I said let's tag team on this in the future. Absolutely. But for right now, in your travels, I'm getting on my knees. You can't see me, but I'm I'm begging you, people, if you don't already read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles by Sophie Campbell. Um, 103? I did. Oh, uh, consultants by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz, script and art by Sophie Campbell, colors by Rhonda Patterson. Wow, Sophie is really, really good for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe. Like, yeah, I mean, this book it was good story wise before. Obviously, it was good because Wachter was drawing it, but story wise, I, I, I was down with what was happening before. But this new incarnation with Sophie at the controls is awesome. It's really good. There's, we're in um, uncharted territory. You have beings that are now find themselves in a mutated state. They're walled off from everybody else. They don't know how to to act, how to how to be. And then you have the the turtles trying to recover from the traumatic events of losing their father. Um, each in their own little way. I think it's it's a, just a great, great, great book. Um, so Dap, you read one hundred three. Yeah, I like the weasels. I think the weasels are yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, and they're cute. But o- uh, old Hob is going to be a, a major pain in the ass, as he is want yeah. to do. Yeah. Well, now he's got a major pain in the jaw. So right. Uh, the um, yeah, it's it's weird. If anything. If I had any complaint, it'd, it'd be like the covers might be a s- slightly misleading because yeah. it's not like really the turtles are in action. But um, it, it, it's fine. It's it's how many covers do we see that really don't uh, indicate what's going to happen inside the issue? But I mean, they're still beautiful images. But yeah, I mean this the, this issue had uh, had more April than we've seen in the previous two issues. Uh, yep. Just having a little chat with with donatello um and then uh mikey's broken man well i mean it's 
yes, he's broken, and then and then to lose the cat because the door's left open, and I I've fucking been there. So I mean, I I feel for Mikey big time. Um, we got uh, well, you know who left the door open? I don't know because he's been gone for how long, man? He, he, he... Oh, Leo left the door open. Oh, wait, when he went to the greenhouse? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's got to be. I mean, you would um, think, come on, there's something yeah. that, that means a lot to your brother in the house. Close the freaking door. I know. But, yeah. But, I mean, you know, he's going to help him look for him and whether or not, I mean, it's not necessarily guilt. It's just what a brother would do. But, yeah, yeah, he left the but door But it says open. a lot about the writer when something as trivial as a fictitious cat getting out of a house makes you think, oh, no, Mikey's going to have, a, he's going to, lose it yeah. you know yeah. like that is a to me that's a, the hallmark of a really good writer that you could care about something like that about a turtle who's not real <laughs> right it's true yeah. it's it, it really yeah no it was it was it was a great issue and and of course um yeah uh, raf kind of sort of gets put in his place and goes off in a huff over it and like we haven't seen that a million times before raf gonna raf yeah yeah but um uh just to piggyback off 103 of teenage mutant ninja turtles i also read the first issue of uh jenica nice Mm. how was that i'm ready Mm. Uh, Mm. it's okay damn brom yeah it's all right i mean uh it was written by brom revel uh, and drawn by Brown Revel with, uh, yeah, there's two stories in here. The main story is written and drawn by Brown Revel. The backup is by, uh, Rhonda Patterson with art by Jody, uh, Nishijima. I don't know. Um, it, it, it lends some insight into Jenica's backstory and she wasn't always a squeaky clean uh upstanding individual let's just say but um i don't know i i I don't think it justifies the five dollar cover price what we got yeah but other than that i mean i compared to 103 i find it lacking if 103 was never around i don't know maybe i would have said all right that's a cool issue but when you compare it to sophie campbell Come on. I don't know what to tell you. Sophie's, she's got all her ducks in a row, and it is great. So, yes. Uh, Long story short, check out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle universe from IDW. Still in very, very, very good hands. Excellent. Yeah. Um... I am going to suggest a book from Aftershock. It's the first issue. Um, and it looks to be an all-female creative team. Uh, this is Artemis and the Assassin. Uh, Stephanie Phillips is your writer. Megan Hetrick and Francesca Fantini are your artists. Uh, Lauren Affy, I'm going to go with, is... Um, is colors and the the pretty cool cover by by Phil Hester. I really liked the art with this. Um and and I dig 
the idea. I'm a mark for time travel anyway, but uh, we we have the um, it, we start off in uh, Russia in 1916 um, with an appearance by Rasputin. Uh, we also um, jump to 1944 to France um, where um, some Nazis are, are being fought and I'm just I like what I saw with this first issue and, and uh, I'm going to um, I think that's that's twice now with, with that because last episode we um, or two episodes back I mentioned the you know, fucked up time. So that's, you know, Aftershock is throwing a couple books out that, um, that I'm digging right now. But this, the art is, I, I really, really like the art. And, and parts of it reminds me not, it's, it's, it's cleaner here. Um, that's also probably because of the colors, but, but some of it reminded me of, um, Vince Stone from, from, uh, Captain Confederacy. And I just like the outline of the characters. I, some of the smiles might be a little wonky, but I really like the figure work and, and, uh, and I, I'm not sure how much of this might be digital, but it's, um, it looks clean. It's got a good flow. Uh, colors are a little, it's not your traditional flat color or super, Heavy dude, it, it, it's not Alex and Claire. There's there, there, there's gradients here. There's, um, I some of the coloring is 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 used. It, it's it's like Sotomayor on on McGuire. Some of the some of the coloring is used in in place of um of the artist's line, but it it all kind of just it all kind of works. So I really um want to see where they're going with this idea with this concept but artemis and the assassin uh really very happily surprised with it and uh looking forward to issue number two right on i uh i too have an issue number one for folks travels uh by boom from boom studios uh wicked things number one Written by John Allison with fantastic art by Mr. Max Sarin. This is the first issue of a six-issue miniseries. Some of you may know this because it is uh, in the same universe. I guess you could say it's a spinoff of Giant Days, which is a much-beloved series by those two. Well, I should say, I mean, John Allison created Giant Days as a webcomic and then brought it to Boom back in fifteen. I talked about the first trade when it came out. Uh, liked it a lot. Uh, the, that's the, Giant Days is about three uh, young women who are uh, going through college together. Um, and uh, but I just I fell so far behind, not because it was bad, just because it comes out like a lot. Like they churned out the issues, and pretty sure there were the fifth, there's, they're up to fifty four issues. Um, but Max Aaron was the artist on all but eight of those issues. Uh, he didn't start the book. It's kind of like when a Walking Dead thing where uh, Tony Moore did the first six issues of walking dead. And then obviously Adlar did almost everything else. It's uh, uh, Lisa Trayman did the first arc of uh, giant days, but then Sarah did pretty much the rest of the series. 
So I was a fan of, of his work in particular. And uh, this was deemed a detective murder mystery in Solicit, so I figured, why not? Um, it is a story, it's not unlike, let's say, an, a modern-day take on Nancy Drew. Um, the protagonist is a 19-year-old woman named Charlotte Lottie Grote, and she's just living her her life uh, with her mom, kind of chilling, and she gets invited to a European awards dinner because she has been nominated for an award as the uh, best young adult detective. So again, very campy. I mean, we're not talking, this isn't like, this isn't like uh, deep, deep stuff. And um, so she goes to this uh, to do and uh, interacts with a bunch of other rather stereotypical uh, detectives, men, and women, and uh, gets pulled into a murder mystery. And, uh, you know, the first issue is really introducing us to her and the characters in the setting. And the cliffhanger is the murder itself of with, of which she is in inextricably linked. Let's just say that. And, uh, I presume then of, of the next five issues, we'll get, uh, we'll get through her trying to figure out who, who done it and, uh, and how they did it. So, uh, it's really good. I, I really think if you don't know Saren's art, just Google it. Max Saren, incredibly clean style, really, really strong, like like almost manga esque big facial expressions, big eyes, um, exaggerated movement, but uh, but real clean, solid black line work. Um, not wouldn't be out of place in like an Archie comic. Um, kind of in the same camp of like our 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 uh, good friend Giselle. So very, big fan of the work uh, visually. So um, yeah, come along for the ride. It's called Wick. It's called uh, excuse me. It's called Wicked Things. Boom. Nice. Mm-hmm. I have it. I haven't read it yet. Do you really? I do. That is shocking to me. Why? Because it's like a campy, girly, teen murder <laughs> mystery. Like, what are you, like, I don't know. I got it. That is fascinating. I told you, I've been trying to add stuff to my order that I was just like, eh, nice. why, why not? Click, click, click. Okay. You know? So. Sweet. I'll tell you how I, I thought. What I thought. And in your travels, join Dap and I in watching Top Chef. Okay. Dude, Top Chef's the bomb. Damn so right. Tonight. Nice. I'm going to be watching Making the Cut once it finally starts. If it starts. Heidi Klum, Tim Gunn, Amazon uh-huh. Prime. Yeah, no, I'm familiar. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar that you like that. But yeah. that's not my thing. Project Runway is done, over, finished. Not for, I mean, just for the season. Oh. Yes, it ended in a uh, way. My wife was very upset when they stopped filming for The Bachelorette. Wow. Well, I don't think we're going to have any new TV shows for for this season. Yeah, I mean, that's a concern, yeah. I mean, a very modest concern versus everything else. But, right, right. But yes, I think it all it's all tied in together. Yes. Yes. All right. Hey, everybody, if you enjoyed this and want to experience more of the 11 o'clock comics thing, come to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. We are there a lot, but we mostly reside in the Slack channel. And that can be found by going to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Um, I will say it is, it has become 
a celebration of comics uh, to a support group <laughs> of sorts. It has. It really has. Um, the guys, uh, everybody in there, just we rely on everybody else to to get us through the day. And it's it's a – I wouldn't have it any other way. So uh, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. In the meantime, say goodnight. Got nothing. Uh, wow, David. <laughs> Good night. I didn't do that. I just added David. that. Oh, nice. You sniped and me. What? Make sure you pick up this month's book of the month, Milk and Cheese Dairy Products. Gone. Oh, Milk and Cheese won. Milk and Cheese won, baby. We should, we should send. Really interesting. Nice. We should send Dorkin. We should send him a message saying, yo, you're not useless. People do love you and you do have value. So please join us for our book of the month featuring your character's milk and cheese. He needs a freaking hug. I, dude, we should try and get him on. Ah, that'd be great. I'm sure he's okay. he's home. <laughs> that's, <laughs> what else are you going to do? This is the perfect time to get some interviews. You know, no, that's the one good thing of all this. Like when you ask a creator, hey, you want to be on? Oh, let me check nah, my schedule. Nah. I'm going to be at a con. <laughs> yeah. You lying bastard, <laughs> you. Shit. Uh, I mean, I, uh, yeah, remember I did a panel with, with his wife, with Sarah, mm-hmm. uh, Heroes, so maybe we can work that one angle. I would just... up my milk and cheese at Heroes. Yeah. I'd love to have Evan Torkin on. I'm, let's look into this. Okay. And oh, then sure. we don't have to say, I wonder what the author was thinking when he created this page. We could say, yo, Torkin, what, what, what the hell were you thinking when you did this page? See, that's it money in the my bank. First reading of milk and cheese. Oh, it's so good. Just ruin the surprise. Now, now, what are you going to ask yourself when we read? It? Oh, see that? Well, yeah. it's all right. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Evan Dorkin doesn't look anything like I thought. Really? No, right? He look <laughs> honestly. He looks like one of his characters. He looks like I don't know, like more sturdy than I guess I pictured. Him. <laughs> Sturdy. <laughs> nah, like he's like a pretty normal looking dude. Yeah, I guess. Nah, he is. Like, he could be like Gabe Hardman's older brother. Oh, now you, now you just ruined it. <laughs> oh, wow. What? No, Gabe. Can you imagine Gabe Hardman's older brother? Yes, it's Evan Dorkin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gabe, have you seen this? Yeah, it's terrible. I don't like that. <laughs> Get it out of here. <laughs> Don't you find it fascinating, though, when, when Gabe posts something he loves? Yes, because it's an anomaly. And is, right? the fact that he loves Twin Peaks makes me believe that, okay, I'm on the straight and narrow. Listen, it's probably got to be, what, a decade ago now? But but that night going out drinking with him and Tom Fowler was legendary. Yeah. I thought he was absolutely enchanting to hang out with that that night. So, Oh, Gabe is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I in p- real life, IRL, he is on Twitter. He's he's a curmudgeon. Yeah, I pissed him off though. 
<laughs> Some facts. <laughs> Hashtag facts. I pissed them off. No lies detected. Yeah, I'm never coming back to their show. Never. <laughs> He's not the first or the last. I'm sure. I know. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. We hope we we really hope that uh, you take care of yourselves, be happy and safe and healthy, and come back for the next one of these because we'll be waiting for you. Or say say bye. Latest. Jason, you have to say the last word. Last word. Oh, so predictable. Mm. Oh. Uh, uh, how about... Uh, oh, did you guys see the picture of uh, of our girl from Ink Master, all Pregos? Yeah. <laughs> Is this... <laughs> she she posted a picture of her and her hubby naked. Get out! She was covering up her, her nipples with her fingers. Oh, please send me the link. <laughs> We're out of here. We got stuff to do. Bye. <laughs> Later, peeps. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. <laughs>